and welcome to a two-hour show called The First Day, the WIBC Sunday Magazine Show. It's January 28th. I'm Terry Stacy, along with Kylan Talley. Good morning. Hello, shout out, one. Shout out to Sue Cross Lytle. That's our Facebook fan of the day. Go Yay, follow Sue. Us. <laughs> Go follow us on First Day with Terry Stacy on Please. Facebook. And Sue, she messaged us about this open song that you're hearing right now. Oh, she did? Yeah. And? Well, she was just asking what the name of it was because she couldn't think of it. It's Jessica by the Almond Brothers Band. That's so, it. Thanks, Sue. Old song, Sue. Thanks for, I like it too. I like it too. Hey, thanks very much for listening and uh, for being our friend on Facebook. Have a great Sunday. I want to, Denny Smith, by the way, with Investing Sense, it's going to be coming up. He will be back with us next week for the entire show and we'll get back on track. But I do want to ask you to watch yourself on the roads because it seems like a million zillion potholes have have uh, popped up in the last week and some of them are giants oh my gosh huge i appreciate all of those neighbors that are putting out the sign saying here's a hole with an arrow on the side of the road in their yard because the holes are so big but i'm thankful for the repairmen i saw some crews out yesterday filling some holes so thankful but i mean come on you're gonna have to watch yourself put the phone down and watch the street Mm -hmm. we've got some interesting guests over the next couple of hours including the coach of indiana elite flag football from sullivan indiana they're headed to orlando to play in the championship game at the pro bowl also broken heart syndrome it's real and it can be fatal but first the marion county clerk's office announced it will be hosting public wedding ceremonies once again this valentine's day and joining us now is marion county clerk kate sweeney bell how are you i am wonderful whenever we're talking about weddings and marriages it's a good day and this has become an annual event because it is so popular and it's a bit of a fundraiser too and i I like that component tell us about the valentine's tradition that you have at your office a couple of clerks before me beth white started this tradition as far as we're able to determine and restrictions have eased we reinstated the Go Red for Women, Join Hearts for Valentine's Day program here in the Marion County Clerk's Office to raise awareness and money for the American Heart Association. They have a campaign for helping teach women about the signs of heart disease, which unfortunately is the number one killer of women in this country. When you look at the statistics, 45% of women age 20 and older are living with some form of heart disease. It's really hard to get your mind around. One of the things that we are hopeful to help the Heart Association with is this campaign, Go Red for Women. Uh, It takes place during February. Maybe we can help some of those women who don't even realize that they have heart disease to take this seriously and to not have to suffer any life-ending or life-altering consequences. I just found out, thanks to the Heart Association, that one of the symptoms uh, when a woman is suffering a heart attack, and that's a pain in their jaw. Yeah. Many of our symptoms that women may feel will be completely different than what you may thought a heart attack would feel like, sometimes so subtle that you don't even think it's anything. This campaign is part of the Heart Association's efforts to make sure that women know they're not being ignored. And we think that it's a happy event for a very good cause. I think so, too. This is Marion County Clerk Kate Sweeney Bell. We're talking about on Valentine's Day. You can go on over there. The money that you're going to pay is actually going to go to 
the American Heart Association's Go Red for Women campaign. So when you're taking your vows and you do it in this kind of fun, different way, then you're also making a difference. And that's an awesome thing. Uh, okay, so how does it work for your Valentine's Day? What are you going to do? Just come on by? Do you need to pre-register? Well, I will say last year <laughs> we did have some drop-ins. And if, if, if we're able to accommodate those uh, loving couples, then we will definitely do that. Uh, but we do ask that those who are wanting to or planning to get married on Valentine's Day or, hey, everybody, if you have not thought that far ahead, you could go ahead to indie.gov slash clerk. All of the information is on our website, how, how to sign up, how much it's going to cost. It's that we ask for a minimum donation to the Heart Association. And the beauty of it, in addition to helping love blossom, is that uh, it's a one-stop shop. You can apply online for your marriage license. You can pick it up here. We will fill out the paperwork for you, perform the ceremony, and then turn it into our clerks who are going to be working diligently all day, making sure that these licenses get recorded. What time do you actually start taking uh, taking the couples in? We start at 9 o'clock. We go until noon. If there are people who are waiting, we, we will accommodate them. There are certain people who are allowed to perform weddings. For these weddings on Valentine's Day, in addition to myself, we will have Marion County Superior Court judges. Are you the most romantic one, though, Kate? <laughs> well, it probably depends on who you ask. If you <laughs> talk to your husband, he would maybe disagree with that. <laughs> we, we do have uh, also... And I, I should have, I, I still have time to bring this up to my husband. Uh, we will perform vow renewal ceremonies. Oh, that's a good idea. Oh, you should bring that up. I'm afraid if I bring it up to him, he might say, mm, yeah, I'm not so sure about that. So, well, You know, when I got married, Kate, long ago, you had to have a blood test. That's what almost stopped me in my tracks. Do we still do the blood Ooh. test? Do you still have to have a blood test to get a uh, marriage license? Remember? Do you no. Re- no, you're too young. I remember. I I actually eloped 25 years ago. Oh, did you really? The, and I remember it because we finally went to a wedding, so I can remember the date now. We went to someone else's wedding. <laughs> Anyone who knows me knows that I'm married to a saint. It was not a date that either one of us really... <laughs> blood test. I, I, I digress. Uh, no, we, we don't have to. And I didn't actually 25 years ago either. The folks who do want to get married, if you live in Marion County, it's $25 for the license. They just have to show their IDs. And if you go out drinking and then you come to the conclusion that you want to get married, sober up before you come here. Because one of the questions we're going to ask you is, are you under the effect of drugs or alcohol? (laughs) It's one of those uh, statutory questions we need to ask. You sure do. And that's kind of sad, everybody. Stop that. Stop that. People want to celebrate. We don't want to get in the way of that. But we want to make sure that this is something that both parties want to have happen. Yeah. Clear mind. A clear Mm. mind is what you need before you take the vow. Okay. Starts at 9 a.m. Again, on Valentine's Day. They'll go to noon, but if you're there at the, you know, 5 till, they'll still get you in. But you do need to get yourself registered. You need a marriage license. Go to indie.gov slash clerk to get all of the details, but uh, it's it's very popular. So I would do it now if you have not that uh, decision. (laughs) 
And if someone wants, if a couple wants to bring their own vows and read them to each other, and some of them are very, very romantic. Some of the ceremonies are not as romantic. It is what the couple wants. We're going to help make this happen. What if you want to bring the dogs? That's maybe something we'll do again in June. We did it last year out on Luger Plaza. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was a different fundraiser for the Friends of Indie Animals. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, but you bring your family. But anyway, this is just, as she said, a great option, and you are making a difference in someone else's lives when it comes to the American Heart Association's Go Red for Women campaign. $50 minimum contribution to that organization. Happy 25th anniversary, by the way, to you, Kate. Well, thank you. And I will say, I noticed you didn't tell me when your anniversary or what number you're on, but... uh, I'm on, I think, Kate, I think this year will be 38. 38? Yeah, I know it. It's a shock, isn't it? (laughs) That's not surprising. Uh, Marion County Clerk Kate Sweeney Bell. And uh, again, go to indie.gov slash clerk to get yourself uh, hitched this Valentine's Day. Hey, thank you so much. It's great to talk to you. Come back and see us. I will. Thanks so much. You're listening to The First Day on 93 WIBC. Back to the first day, Terry Stacy, along with Kyle and Tally. And uh, Kyle, it looks like temperatures are going to remain in the 40s this week as we head into February. I know, not bad. February is heart month, and we've all experienced a broken heart at points in our lives. But you may not know that it's a real illness, and it's called broken heart syndrome. And joining us now is Dr. Ryan Daly with Franciscan Physician Network, Indiana Heart Physicians. Thank you so much for joining us, doctor. How are you? Hi, how are you? We're great. We're great. Thank you. You know, uh, broken heart syndrome, I guess it's a real thing. What is it? Yes, uh, unfortunately it is. Uh, When somebody experiences uh, a trauma, uh, it can be emotional, it can be physical, uh, it can be something quite sad like the loss of a loved one, um, or it can actually be something quite happy like winning the lottery uh, or even a wedding. Uh, And people experience these emotional stresses. Sometimes it's actually a physical stress. Say you get a bad pneumonia. And what happens is the body uh, lets off a lot of adrenaline. And there are receptors on the heart that respond. And and some people, they they over-respond. And, and of course, losing a, a loved one such as a son or a daughter or, you know, a spouse of many years, uh, that's just very, very stressful. And you can, you can just imagine um, the adrenaline that's released. And that can negatively affect the heart in some people. Um, when you, said, you hear that some people, uh, you know, died of uh, fright, that, that actually mm. can happen. But it's usually these prolonged stresses, um, such as, uh, again, um, when your, your wife or your husband dies after being married for 30 years or the death of a child. And uh, the adrenaline attacks the heart in a way that causes it to get stunned, like it got punched in the nose by Mike Tyson. Uh, And it can be quite severe, causing the heart to get sick or weak, um, uh, to the point of inducing heart failure, making people severely short of breath, feeling like they're suffocating, sometimes causing chest pain or, or severe pressure, mimicking a heart attack, requiring hospitalization. And with this, insult to the heart causes 
swelling or inflammation of the heart, and that can uh, disrupt electrical signals. The heart is basically an organic pump. It actually has a battery and wires and runs on electricity. And if that electricity gets uh, altered or dysregulated, that can induce a life-threateningly bad heart rhythm and induce sudden death. Uh, and, and it's something we see, not super common, um, but it is it is known. Um, I probably see it uh, once a week when somebody uh, comes in with uh, pneumonia or a bad case of the flu. Uh, medical illnesses, severe medical illnesses can also induce this. And, and the medical term that we use for this is, uh, while colloquially we can call it broken heart syndrome, is something called a stress cardiomyopathy. And, and that means uh, cardiomyopathy is disease of the heart. Uh, sometimes we also call, uh, the Japanese will call this a takosubo cardiomyopathy for octopus pot because of the way that the heart looks uh, when it gets sick. Um, the very tip of it uh, basically expands and doesn't move well, much like a, uh, a fish trap that they would use to catch octopus in wow. Japan. And you've explained to us a little bit about what that would feel like. It sounds like you can recover from broken heart syndrome, but it doesn't necessarily go away on its own. It can. Um, so everybody's course is a little bit different. Sometimes it requires a hospitalization. Sometimes it requires medicine. Uh, it doesn't heal overnight, but it can uh, heal over the course of, uh, of weeks and sometimes months in, in some people. Um, but uh, more often than not, I, it's, I can see a good prognosis over the course of multiple months. Um, it's, it's frequently recoverable. Anything else we should know, Dr. Daly? I think that it's really important that people uh, do pay attention to their symptoms, um, as you know, specifically shortness of breath or chest discomfort. Uh, it's not normal to feel short of breath with minimal activity or laying flat. Uh, whenever anybody has chest discomfort lasting longer than 10 to 15 minutes, I direct them to seek medical attention. Um, so there are different risk factors for it. Um, uh, anybody can can get that, but it tends to be uh, females. Um, it tends to be uh, those that are a little bit older, you know, middle age or, or, or seniors. And uh, use of certain antidepressant medicines can make uh, the likelihood of developing it worse. But it's it's not. We don't know uh, a ton about the disease, but we we do know some things about it. Um, and uh, it, the way we typically treat it is with. Uh, standard of care medical therapy that we use to treat weak hearts or heart failure or sometimes what we'll call cardiomyopathies, including beta blockers and uh, angiotensin receptor blockers, et cetera. Does it occur in younger females too? I, most, uh, it, it can occur at any age, quite honestly, with okay. enough with enough stress. But uh, typically we, we see it uh, more often than not in, in people who are of middle age. But I, again, I, you know, sometimes there's atypical uh, presentations, um, but it tends to be middle age or, or, or older age um, and uh, females more than males. But again, I, I've seen it in both men and women. But again, it, it's usually middle age or, uh, or older. Yeah. Cold hearted men. <laughs> <laughs> and the women who love them uh listen i'm so glad we had a chance to talk you are such a good teacher dr ryan daly he's a franciscan physician network indiana heart physicians that's who he's with 
We're, we're always here to uh, serve the community of uh, Greater Indianapolis and Indiana Heart Physicians. Okay, Franciscan and, uh, Physician you know, Network, Indiana Heart Physicians, yeah. that's who you're with. You Thank you so much. We really appreciate the information. Thank you for having me. It's been my honor. Terry, something that saddened me yesterday was I don't think I realized how many people actually don't know about the Holocaust or even simply that concentration camps were actually a thing. With yesterday being International Holocaust Remembrance Day, we're going to talk about it. And we'll talk with Alex Kaur, son of Eva Kaur, one of Indiana's most prominent Holocaust survivors. Looking forward to that. All right, Denny Smith, also with Investing Sense, coming up in the next half hour. Today's top stories are next, right here on 93 WIBC. Welcome back to the first day on 93 WIBC. Terry Stacy, along with producer Kylan Talley with a special guest this morning. Mm-hmm. I want to mention real quick, though, that this song you're hearing is from the soundtrack We Shall Not Die Now, a short film documentary about the Holocaust written and directed by our friend of the show, Ashton Gleckman. You can rent the documentary on Prime Video if you'd like. Yesterday was International Holocaust Remembrance Day commemorating the victims and the date when the Auschwitz concentration camp was liberated 79 years ago. You've heard or seen many news stories about how people around the world spent the day remembering, whether it was wreaths at the death wall at the camp or lighting candles. Yesterday was also declared Eva Education Day by Governor Holcomb four years ago in honor of the late Eva Corps, one of Indiana's most prominent Holocaust survivors. Here in Indianapolis, the Indiana Historical Society held an event to commemorate the day with exhibits of Eva's life, along with a screening of the documentary Eva A-0763 by also a friend of the show, Ted Green. You can watch that documentary at WFYI.org. And now our special guest for today is one of the speakers that was at the event yesterday son of Eva Kaur, Alex Kaur. Thanks for taking time to be with us, Alex. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. I can't imagine how hard a time of year it is for you, but can you talk about how you've been sharing your mother's legacy? Obviously, um, July 2019, my, my mom passed away. And, um, you know, this whole last four and a half years has been somewhat surreal. As you mentioned, uh, Governor Holcomb, um, in 2020, January 27, 2020, enacted Eve Education Day, and along with that, um, we had uh, some donors um, that donated some money, and every middle school and every high school in the state of Indiana was given the DVD of uh, the documentary Eva A-7063, as well as the book Surviving the Angel of Death. You know, it's been, it brings back a lot of good memories. It brings back some painful memories just knowing that my mother and actually my father is also a Holocaust survivor, that both of them have passed away in the last four and a half years. But, you know, I can't say enough good things about Governor Holcomb, his generosity in proclaiming this year after year after year. Every every December I contact his office, and every middle of January I pick up the proclamation, which I have, I have with me. And so, and uh, along with that, the Indiana Historical Society has exhibit for the last uh, almost three years and this exhibit, which includes, you know, a very uh, cleverly created exhibit that has um, a lot of memories from my past, a lot of interesting documents from my mom's from the years that she uh, wasn't, you know, so highly sought after from the times when 
We had issues with anti-Semitism in Terre Haute, all the way to the fact that she was the uh, Grand Marshal in the 500 and <laughs> had some incredible things happen later in her life. We have an AI part of this where you can put on the uh, Oculus glasses and actually you are actually at Auschwitz with my mom talking to you. If you turn your head in the room, you turn your head at Auschwitz. And if you want a different part of Auschwitz, my mom will tell you about something different. And then the USC Show Foundation in combination with Candles Holocaust Museum also donated the Dimensions of Testimony, which is essentially a hologram. And for me, being the son, I could talk to my mom anytime I want to, even though she passed away in July of 2019. And I think for for really anybody, I, I can't tell you how many times people approach me and say, oh, we were at the Indiana Historical Society. We talked to your mom yesterday. You know, it's, it's, it's an unbelievable experience for me, knowing from where we came from in Terre Haute, the troubles we had, to now, you know, having this opportunity. And I think what's more important than ever now, especially with what's happened in the world, is that it gives people an opportunity to see what happened 79 years ago. And the whole idea is hopefully it will not repeat itself. And, and unfortunately, hate is on the increase. Anti-Semitism is on the increase. And at least from my perspective, it gives me, the son of two Holocaust survivors, um, a, a portal, an opportunity to at least teach the next generation. On Thursday, I gave a speech at the Indiana State House, basically trying to encourage other second generation, third and fourth generation to tell their story of their, their relatives, their grandfathers, their great-grandfathers, mothers, because I think, unfortunately, with each and every year, there are less and less Holocaust survivors, and sometimes uh, revisionist history tends to uh, change numbers and change facts. And I think for me, in particular, this, 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 this annual commemoration calls attention to the fact that we need to remember the past. Absolutely. This is Alex Kaur, Eva Kaur's son. And on so many occasions, I got to see your mother speak. I had the opportunity to interview her several times. And one of my favorites in my 35 years at WIBC, I'll never forget her, as when watching her speak to children and to adults and totally captivated by what she was saying and speaking to them about. The message is timeless. And I think it's about forgiveness and how she was able to do that. And I know that was a very hard time for probably for her when she did that because of the backlash from some other Holocaust survivors and and others who said, how can you forgive? But she did. And it still, to this day, resonates with these children when she had that opportunity to speak before them. Uh, Kids of all ages um, hung on her every word. She then went back to Auschwitz uh, year after year and led these tours. And that's actually, she passed away there with you by her side, I'm told. And I thought it was so interesting that she said that that is where she felt the most alive was when she was at Auschwitz giving those tours. Yeah, uh, there were more times than I can count that a week before we were supposed to travel, she wasn't feeling good. She didn't have a lot of energy. Her knee was bothering her. hip was bothering her. And then we land in Krakow, and all of a sudden, she's just a bundle of joy and energy. And I said, Mom, I thought a week ago, no, I'm feeling good. I slept well on the plane. And she would go a week with this incredible um, ability to uh, just um, engage with people, talk. You mentioned forgiveness. I mean, this was a a part of her life. It wasn't the end-all, be-all, but it definitely, in my mind, her 
Her decision to forgive was a way for her to heal in 1995, and I think really probably extended her life another 20, almost 20-some years. And Mm -hmm. so I think for me as a son, you know, I I get this question a lot, lot, you know, what, what about forgiveness? And I think, you know, it's not for everybody, and it's not everybody's path to healing. It's one option to heal. Uh, my father, as I mentioned, was not um, was also a survivor, a four-year survivor, and he late in life decided to forgive. We would have arguments at the dinner table about forgiveness. And then the other thing you mentioned about children, yeah, my mom had this incredible innate ability to speak to kids. And one of the examples I always talk about is once this 10-year-old boy was uh, at the museum with a couple of his classmates, and he said, Mrs. Core, how did you learn? Who taught you how to survive Auschwitz? So my mom was always a quick thinker, and she stood up and got in his face, and he took a couple steps back. She said, why did you take a step back? Well, you got too close to me. That's how I survived Auschwitz, meaning it was just a knee-jerk response. She did everything by instinct. And, you know, I think for a 10-year-old kid, this was an important lesson without becoming in any way graphic. Or, and I think that 10-year-old kid is probably in his 20s or 30s now really understood that, you know, it was not something she learned. It was just trying to get day by day to survive another day, as my mom would say. Wow. Before we let you go, I do want to mention this because I do think this is why her her message still has to be told. As you're doing, this message needs to continue because there was a 2020, um, uh, I guess it would be a survey of the U.S. Millennial Holocaust Knowledge and Awareness Survey, first ever 50-state survey on Holocaust knowledge among millennials and Gen Z. And there is a clear lack of awareness of key historical facts, including that 11% still think Jews caused the Holocaust. 35% did not know what Auschwitz was. Uh, 46% can't name a camp or death camp or ghetto. Um, 52% have seen Holocaust denial or distortion on social media or elsewhere online. And, but the good news is 83% believe import, it's incredibly important to continue teaching about the Holocaust. No, there's absolutely no doubt that education, it may not defeat anti-Semitism, it may not combat anti-Semitism, but for kids, and particularly the younger, the better, to have some knowledge of the past. And I will just take one second here. On April the 13th in Terre Haute, we're having Echoes and Reflections, the Anti-Defamation League is going to have uh, a symposium to teach teachers how to teach the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. You can get more information if you contact Candles Holocaust Museum. But it's Saturday, April the 13th in Terre Haute, and we have a uh, person from the Anti-Defamation League coming basically to teach teachers how to teach the Holocaust. That's awesome. That's great. So the mission continues. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Um, yep. Fantastic. Alex, thank you so much thank for Thank you, Alex. Time to talk really about appreciate it. it. Absolutely. Thanks for doing this for us. Thank you very much. Alex Kaur, Eva Kaur's son. And the learning should continue. If you want to learn from some of the ways we had mentioned, you can go to the Indiana Historical Society and see their exhibit, Eva Kaur, From Auschwitz to Indiana. That exhibit is included with your admission, and you can get free parking with paid admission. You can also watch those documentaries by Indiana filmmakers, Eva A-7063 on WFYI.org, Or you can go rent We Shall Not Die Now on Amazon Prime. Or you can visit the Candles Holocaust Museum in Terre Haute. Now coming up is Investing Sense with Denny Smith on 93 WIBC.
Danny. You've got a friend in Danny. When the road looks I don't know. I'd say it looks kind of nice. Yeah. I love this. Old friend Danny said. Danny. Here he is. Danny Smith. Well, Terry and Kylan, this week for Investing Sense, I thought I'd touch on a delicate subject that might cause some people a lot of discomfort. Oh. Terry, Kylan, uh, are you ready? Uh, yeah. Yes. Kylan, are you sure you're ready? I don't. Let's go. Let's go. Do it, Danny. All right, here goes. Most everyone is a member of a family or a group of friends where you share common experiences of love and fun in life. With friends and family, there's a sense of sharing and trust that truly makes life not only good, but very, very special. However, there are a few things that can really change family and friends' relationships with you. One of those things is loaning them money. On the one hand, if a friend leaves their wallet at home and needs 20 bucks for lunch, there isn't a one of us that wouldn't loan them the money. And if ever I left my wallet at home and needed some lunch money, I'd surely ask a friend for a favor until I could pay him back the next day. That's just being a friend, brother, a sister, a mother, a father. It's just helping. But have you ever been approached by a family member or a long-time friend to borrow a lot of money? Maybe they've lost the transmission in their car and need a thousand bucks. Maybe it's a college buddy or a next-door neighbor who's taken on too much debt and needs a lot more than a thousand bucks. Maybe it's your cousin who knows you have money and is just desperate to get some cash for some unplanned event in their lives. So what do you do? Do you loan them the money or do you not? For most of my life, I've carried a little marble in my pocket with the golden rule inscribed around the middle. You know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And there's a bit of haunting of those words when we come across them in the Gospel of Matthew. And I'm certain there isn't any one of us with an ounce of church in us that hasn't felt that. So what do you do? Do you loan the money to family and friends when they ask? Well, it depends, but I would offer that it's not a great idea. More than that, it's been my experience that loaning money to family or friends changes the relationship forever. And when I say forever, that's exactly what I mean. After I started doing the Investing Sense radio show with my son Andy in 2003, I got a call one afternoon from a guy who said he was Dave Ramsey. Yes, that Dave Ramsey who's done a radio show for over 30 years about helping people manage money, get out of debt, conquer the challenges of money. The call comes in and Andy said, There's a guy on line three that wants to talk to you. I answered the phone and he identifies himself as Dave Ramsey. Now, I'd heard Dave Ramsey on the radio for a couple years, but it just didn't sound like him. So I said, man, I'm sorry you need to pretend to be Dave Ramsey, but I just don't have time for this right now. Something like that. And then I hung up. About a minute later, Jane says, Denny, line two. (laughs) I pick it up and yep, it's the same guy. And he says, this really is Dave Ramsey. Please don't hang up on me. I started laughing, and then he started laughing, and I finally got to ask him why he called. He said, Denny, I do a show in your radio market, too, and I just want to make sure you don't have any issues with what I'm teaching. I'm not sure exactly what I said, but it was something about the mutual funds he was suggesting to listeners that really weren't that good, and I explained that there were much better choices, funds with no loads. And he said something that I really don't remember, but what I do remember was his sincere question to make sure I didn't disagree with his advice about money. I told him that from my perspective, his financial advice was usually spot on and that I really did agree with him. You know, that was about a five-minute conversation and I've never spoken with him since. But here's why I'm telling you this story in the middle of answering the question, 
Should you loan money to a family member or friend? Dave Ramsey says it much better than I when he says, It's a myth when you're told that loaning money to a friend or a relative is helping them. You know, Dave's right. When you loan money to a friend, the relationship changes forever because now there's a business relationship of a lender and a debtor. Dave calls it a master-slave relationship, and those words are harsh and make me feel uncomfortable. But the point is is that the relationship you have had will be destroyed because now there will be one person in a dominant position over the other. The borrower is always the slave to the lender. Always. I believe you have two choices. You can help a friend or a relative by simply giving them a gift with no strings attached. That's not a great idea, but at least it prevents the master-slave relationship that would be there if, if you expected to be repaid. The second choice is to understand that loaning money to a friend is not helping. Just because you have the ability and resources to lend the money does not mean that it's a blessing to do so. As Dave Ramsey has said again and again, and as Denny has said also, loaning money to family or friends is not a blessing. It's a curse, and it will change the relationship forever. So that doesn't sound very much like second choice, does it? No, it really doesn't. And it's hard to tell somebody that you won't loan them money when you know they put themselves in a situation that's bad enough that they even had to ask you for the loan. So here are some ideas for you to think about when somebody asks you for a loan. Listen to them. Listen to them graciously. Listen to them empathetically. They're hurting, and they need somebody to listen to them. But you also need to be strong enough to handle their response when you say no. Whatever you do, don't say you'll think about it, especially if you're just doing that to stop the conversation and get them to calm down. Remind yourself that nothing good's going to come from your saying yes. And if you do say yes, remember the relationship as it has been will be changed forever. And the result will not be pretty for either of you. Sometimes being an adult is tough. More often, being a friend is even tougher. And as crazy as it might seem, always remember that the reality is that lending money to a friend is a good way to lose a friend. That's Denny Smith with Investing Sense right here on the first day. Today's top stories are coming up next on 93 WIBC. Thanks, Denny.